Welcome to the Bridge Church again. I, uh, um, when I was in high school I, and junior high, I was a cross-country runner for a season, for uh, actually a few seasons, and um, I wasn't good at short-distance running, but I was, I was okay at long-distance running, so I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed that. Didn't necessarily enjoy all the practice that was required uh, to run the two-mile races at the beginning and the younger level and the three-mile races as we got older uh, required running 10 miles a day uh, at least when I was in high school, and that uh, took discipline, and, and it was a lot of responsibility. But when race day came, there was a lot of excitement about it, and, and we had the privilege of, of uh, getting ready. And, and at the beginning, it looked very chaotic when we were getting ready for a race. People would be stretching on the ground or leaning against a building and crossing a leg over a leg and trying to touch and touching their toes. Uh, there would be people that would help each other stretch. People would be talking to their parents. It was really chaotic. There wasn't much form. You only knew that people were on teams based by the colors of their jerseys. And, uh, and yet there came a moment when the time was ready for the race and, and, and uh, you would walk towards the line and there was started to be more order and more control. And eventually the uh, timekeeper would yell out, ready. And everybody would get quiet and change their stance set and everyone would get re even more ready and change the stance again and and take take a deep breath uh, now comes a time to think about how I'm going to start and how I'm going to pace and who am I next to that should have already been taken care of by ready set and then go and at go I uh, like a shot everyone in unison takes off at the pace for which they've been trained so that they can finish well and finish strong and not run out of steam before the end. There's a strategy behind long distance running. And there is also a strategy behind following Jesus. And that strategy for our lives is that we must actively wait for Christ's return. We must be ready, we must be set, and we must go. This passage in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35, we see this play out that we must actively wait for Christ's return as Christ warns and, and admonishes his disciples to be ready, to be set, and to go. So beginning in verse 35, it says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. And if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is admonishing his followers, be ready, be ready for my return. Even before he's departed, he's arguing that they need to live in a state of readiness. That's what this first charge is, stay dressed for action. The picture in the Greek is that these robes that would maybe entangle their ankles as you run and, and hang low, that you tuck those under your belt and you're always ready to, to set out for war or to set out in a race. It's, it's constant state of readiness is what he's charging for. As Christians, we need to be constantly ready for Christ's return. He says, and keep your lamps burning. 
And the picture there is that uh, it's, it's like waiting for the person to return from, the, from this wedding feast, that the lamps are there to light his way, that we're anticipating the return of Jesus, that these lamps are lit for Christ constantly in our lives and unendingly recognizing that our Lord and Savior is returning for us. Verse 36, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. The picture is that the servants are waiting at home, just actively waiting in anticipation of our Lord's return. I remember when I would drive Jeannie home from being out on a date when we were early on in dating and, and her mom would be waiting, looking through the, the blinds on the door. She wasn't just waiting, she was actively waiting. <laughs> she was worried about her daughter and, and watching for her return. And uh, she loved her children and that was one of the ways that she actively waited. And we too should be at the door looking through the blinds in a way to see if Jesus is coming and be ready for his return and be ready to respond as his servants. But it's interesting how Jesus describes this situation. So far, we've been, had described for us very um, common practices in the first century. And from this, he goes to an uncommon practice in the first century. A remarkable passage, um, practice in the first century. In verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. What? The master is going to come home, dress in servants' clothes, have the servants recline at table, and the master will serve the servants. And that is the picture that Jesus leaves us with, that when he comes, he's coming to serve. The first time he came to serve, he came to provide for us through the cross and through the resurrection, he, all that we need to have peace with God and to have a future and an inheritance in heaven. And as he comes the second time, he is the redeemer. He is the lion of Judah. He is the, 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 the Messiah the one who has come to save, our Savior. And when he comes the second time, it is to restore us completely and revive us eternally. He will give us all that we need. He will serve us. Verse 38 turns to uh, the anticipation of a long night. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. A watch through the night might have been divided in three or four watches. Uh, three hours maybe in the watch and you would stay awake for those three hours and you'd be looking and protecting. And, and the idea is, is that maybe towards the second or the third watch people are all asleep and maybe the guards fall asleep. And Jesus is talking about being actively ready for his return living our lives as if Christ could return in the next five minutes. You know, when Jesus uh, came the first time, uh, it had been hundreds of years since the promised Messiah had been promised. And, and they weren't ready. People were not ready to trust him. People were not ready to believe. Many had lost hope. People talked about the Messiah, but were they really living ready? Were they really actively looking for the one that God would provide? The answer is no. 
It took that generation by surprise that Jesus came. And Jesus is saying as Christ followers, don't be taken by surprise. Jesus is coming. Our day before Christ is coming. And it says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, this is verse 39, if the master of the house would have known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. This speaks of a laziness that can, can come in and that we can stop uh, following Christ in a way that anticipates his return. We are to follow Christ in a way that anticipates that he is coming for us. So that it, it's comparing with a one who would steal and if we know that the thief is coming, we would not have been caught unaware. If we know that Christ is returning and we believe his word, then we will not be caught unaware. We will be ready. And that's what he says in verse 40, and you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. The Son of Man is coming. Jesus is gonna return and he is going to take us by surprise and we should be found living our lives ready for his return. Being ready as a runner was more than just a stance. Being ready as a runner meant that I had been running all week and the weeks prior, 10 miles a day. And as you gain those miles and build up those miles, running three miles, sprinting three miles is not hard. It comes pretty easily and finishing well comes easy and you're not exhausted at the end. But if I had lived those weeks prior having not run any miles and had not been prepared, I would not be ready. And we as Christians need to be actively seeking our Lord and living lives filled with the Spirit and being about His business is being ready. Ready. Set. In verse 41, we see uh, Jesus talking about His disciples being set over responsibilities. That being set, being about that business. In verse 41, Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us all or for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their possession uh, of food at the proper time, their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. And Jesus tells his disciples, you know, the disciples come up and say, well, you're talking to us, you're talking to all of us. And Jesus doesn't really answer the question. He just talks to his disciples now. And to Peter, he responds by saying, I, I'm going to set you over responsibilities. And if you follow through and you're ready and you're actively setting yourself, as I set you over these things, you take those responsibilities and you do those responsibilities and you serve me. And then you're just preparing for my return. And in my return, I will set you over much more. Each one of us as Christ followers has been set over responsibilities to parent, to lead, to disciple, to care for the hurting, to, to preach the gospel, to tell our loved ones and our neighbors about Christ. All of those things we have been set over. We have been charged with how to act in the church and to use these gifts that we've been given in the church and to love each other. 
That is our responsibility as we have been set over those things. That's the position Jesus should find us in. That we are, we drop to the position where we are set and ready to run. The set position is doing the things that he's set over us. That he set us over. So that on that day, he can give us a great deal more to set us over because we've been found faithful. That's what he promises. But in verse um, in verse 45, he says, But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him, in with, put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly according to his will, will receive a severe beating. This picture is, is that the master, when he comes, if we have neglected our duties, and it's interesting that Jesus turns to mistreatment of other servants, mistreatment of other people. If he finds us not doing his bidding, if he finds us being selfish, if he finds us promoting ourselves primarily, instead of his will and his responsibilities and his desires and loving the people that he loves and fighting for the people that he cares for and he sent us to. He says that he's going to punish us and the punishment is severe. Put us with the unfaithful. Cut in pieces. Um, we knew the master's will and being ready meant doing that will. Ready and set. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much is required. And of him to whom they entrust much, they will be demanded the more. That picture is of Christ requiring from those who have been given much more. And it speaks to the justice of God and how Christ will judge us. He's going to judge us according to how we responded with what we've been given. For those of us who were raised in Christian homes and have received so many opportunities uh, to love others and to care for others, for those of us who've been raised in the United States with plenty, there is a greater responsibility on us to care for others and to give to others. And sometimes there can be a judgment in us like we think we earned it and deserve it and yet God has entrusted it to us and we're going to be held responsible. Being set, ready and set means Using what we have, the gifts that we have, the time that we have, the opportunities that we have, the responsibilities that, we've been that have been entrusted to us for the glory of God. That's being ready and set for Christ's return. Well, finally, we see go in verse 49 to 59. We must actively wait for Christ's return by being ready, being set, and then to go. In verse 49 to 59, it says, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three, and they will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law, against mother-in-law. That's a fascinating passage Jesus brings up here about how we actively go. He begins by talking about he must go. He's first, first in line. 
our king is leading the charge in living the ready life and, and going. He, is, uh, he says, I came to cast fire on the earth and wood that had already been kindled. He wishes that this judgment that's coming, that's going to pour out on him, this, this fire that's going to consume him, that this, this judgment of God, the wrath of God being poured out on him for our sake. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. As Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem, he has this work to do and he is going to Jerusalem. He is going to do the work that God has called him to do. And he is going to do that on our behalf. And he goes on to say, do you think that I have come to bring peace on the earth? He is going to uh, rejection and to failure and to, and to uh, people spitting on him and beating him and saying awful things to him and accusing him of things that he never said and never did and, and yet he willingly goes to this for us. And yet then he charges us, he tells us, he warns us that being his true followers, being ready and set and going is going to cost you relationships in this world and in the first century especially when Christianity was so unpopular in the greater community. He warns his followers, Do you think that I have come to bring to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you that rather division. From now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. And then he describes the different relationships that are divided. Does that mean that Jesus came to promote division? Absolutely not. He came to promote unity. He came to promote wholeness. But this promotion and this activity is going to come to a violent conclusion for many. And many, by choosing Christ, will have to choose to declare Christ in a community that will reject them, in a family that may reject them. And many, by following Christ, will have to decide, I, I choose not to placate my family. I choose to serve Christ. And that doesn't mean that we push people away or we try to offend them or we relish in division. No, we, we grieve over division and we pray for unity and we pray for our family to come to Christ and we plead with God to, to use our voices to bring peace for all of us with the Father and with each other. But Jesus is warning that as we go, as we are in a position of running with Christ, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us relationships. As these divided relationships, he now turns to interpreting the time that as we go, as we're ready and we're set and we're going, the interpretation of the times, he also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? They're in the midst of the Messiah. This is the first coming of Jesus Christ and so many that are listening to Jesus have missed it. They've been warned, they've been, it's been promised, it's been, they should be anticipating it, they should be looking that God, because God is faithful, because God always does what he says, we should be anticipating that it is sure. But people go to sleep and people stop watching and people stop living as if they'll ever answer to God. 
Christians think, well, I'll keep living how I want to live and then before I die, I'll ask for forgiveness and everything will be fine. I'll get to have my cake and eat it too. And, and no, you're living your life without any cake at all. You're living your life outside of the will of God and the blessing of God. It's such a waste and it's such a loss. And he says, for those of you who know how to interpret the sky, and I would take it to the 21st century and say, for those of you who have an app that tells you the weather, and you know what's gonna happen in the next three days, and you know when the snow storm is coming, and you prepare for that, and you get up earlier for the commute, and you get the shovel and the salt ready if it's gonna snow, and you get home if it's gonna storm seriously, and you don't take a walk if it's gonna rain, and you dress differently, and because you've looked at the app, and you've trusted that the Weather Channel app, or the Weather app is gonna give you truth that you can build your life on, I'm telling you that the Word of God has given you truth that you can build your life on. Are you actively reading it? Have you checked out what the weather is? Do you know what's coming and are you ready? Are you set and are you going? Jesus says, you foolish people, you know how to interpret the times and the weather, but do you know how to interpret the times spiritually? The kingdom of God has come. Are you ready? Finally, in verses 57 to 59, in this passage about going, the first going is settling accounts with the judge. Verse 57, it says, Why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make every effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you into the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Why does Jesus say that? Because Jesus is the one that is you're, you're going to your judgment with. You have the opportunity right now to be ready for the day when Jesus returns and judgment comes for all of us. I mean, we may not be on this planet when Jesus returns. That's God's business. But I want you to know that he could return in three minutes and he could return in 300 years. And, but the point is, is that this is your season to be ready, to be set, and to go. And going begins with getting right with the one who will accuse you one day. And that one is Jesus. You have the opportunity to get right with him by faith, by offering your life to him and by, by confessing your sins to him and accepting him into your heart. By saying a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And, and will you prepare a place for me in heaven? And will you cause me to be ready and set and to go with you. Dear friends, I still like running. I can't run as far and I don't put the work in that I once did. Um, maybe one day I'll get back to it some, but I, I run some and I like to run. Uh, there's still uh, that same thing as we go to races, as Jim and I do races, whether it's a 5K or a 10K, it's very quick before I know if I've really been prepared. It doesn't take long for me to know if I'm breathing heavy in the first mile and this is going to be rough because I haven't been ready and I haven't been set and I haven't been ready to go. Uh, I hope for you, dear friend, that this week you invest in your future when Christ will return or when you will stand before him and uh, I hope that he finds you ready. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, 
the privilege of second chances and third chances. So many times we fail. And yet the gospel was made for this. The Jesus Christ has provided us forgiveness and provided us new starts. And I just pray that we would actively be ready for your return. That we would be actively looking for your return and living our lives in anticipation of our master's return. Thank you for the promise that you serve us and have prepared a meal for us at your return. We're so thankful for the, the, the joy and the excitement and the promise that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's his name we pray, amen.